welcome back to the farm. We missed you guys, and just it's, I know it's been crazy this year. 2020's been pretty wild with COVID, and I know with some of you guys are facing job loss or uncertainty, isolation. Now we're dealing with civil unrest that's occurring in our country, and we're working through some things like racism and inequality with heightened sense of People are having fear and emotions and, and, and concerns and, and because change is needed. We change is needed. And in the midst of all this, in the middle of all this, our church has left the building and we're looking for a new space, a new location. And to be honest, it's been very difficult. It really has been very difficult for me uh, personally because uh, all the event centers that I was looking at are now closed. And all the schools that we could rent out are closed. All the churches, they're not even back in, uh, back in service. So uh, I, we're looking in these areas and I'm like, oh man, I feel this pressure to open up. But so, so please pray for us. Please pray for me. Please pray for the leaders. Please pray for open doors for Hill City where we can be together again, where we can unite again in a, in a more permanent space. Also, I want you to know that... Uh, God's not freaking out. That's you know, God knows what he's going what he's doing. He has a plan for us and and I just know this because it's his church. So I just want to continue to thank you for your commitment. Continue watching and thank you for your prayers and your love for one another. I know that more than ever when I look into our world and into our lives that Jesus is needed more than ever and you are needed more than before. So here we are, maybe it's a Sunday morning for you, maybe it's a Sunday night, or a Monday, or you're driving out of town in your car. We are continuing through the book of James, Faith That Works. Pastor James, he's, he's sharing passionately with those he considers family, family, about this, these problematic areas that he sees, weaknesses in the building, in the structure, that if he does not address it can cause a catastrophic event for our lives, leading people to fall away, to lose hope, to get apathetic, living uh, eternally fruitless lives, right? A faith without works, a dead faith, he says earlier. So James is speaking to his hill city, his local church, his ecclesia, which means the assembly, the gathering, those who are called out, it's set apart for God himself set apart from this world to be holy. Listen, that's you and me. That's you and me, united by the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice and his love, right? As children of God. And, and, and God is declaring his purpose over us. And this letter, James is pinpointing these, these these areas that we need to focus on so we can carry on what Jesus started. And he starts by the lack of endurance and maturity. And then he talks about the sins of prejudice, right? And partiality, the tongue, right? And, and, and then sins of disunity in the community. Then last week, Paul talked about this boasting of life when life is really a vapor and time is short. So the way we live right now matters, right? That we have to live in an eternal way with an eternal mindset, which leads to our scripture today in James chapter 5, 1 through 6. So if you're home right now, or if you have your hands free, I want you to get your Bible app 
or your Bible out, and I want you to read this with me. If you need to pause it, pause it, but let's read this together because I want us to practice reading the Bible together out loud in one accord like we're in one room with one voice as one family. Let's read James 5, 1 through 6. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming to you, right? Your wealth has rotted, your moths has eaten up your clothes, the gold and silver are corroded, their corrosion will testify against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers you mowed your, who mowed your fields and are carrying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Well, that was strong, right? And it is. It is. He opens up like a prophet. It's easy just to glaze over and say, oh, this is for someone else. I mean, John, it's to the rich. And John, I'm not rich, right? James must be speaking to those people. But what if those people are you and me? I know we're not rich like the movie Crazy Rich Asians, but who are we comparing to? We have a tendency always to compare up, compare to someone we look up to or compare up to someone who has more, but never the other way. But did you know that one third of the world's population still lives on less than $2 a day? One third. That means the American salary is 1,350% more than one third of the world. Think about that for a moment. I know that doesn't compute. They don't, they don't have to pay the rent that we have to pay. They don't have to buy this, that, or the other thing. And, and, we can, and we can just say, ah, we don't need to consider that. But what if we do? What if we are those people? Let us for a moment consider the warning that James gives. The dangers of materialism and consumerism and the love of money. James asks us, have you hoarded your wealth? He doesn't say, have you saved? No, the Bible isn't against saving, right? It's against hoarding. Say hoarding. Hoarding, right? And when you hoard something, you don't need it. You can't use it in that moment, right? You, can't, you might not be able to use it at all. But, you, but so it begins to rot and corrode and become useless, right? Let me ask you this. Things that rot and corrode and become useless. Do you have anything around the house that you have kept just because? I don't know if you do. And you told yourself, I'm going to use this later. I swear I'm going to use this later. Like an old TV, right? You have multiple TVs around the house that some of them you don't even use. They just have dust all over them. Or an old iPhone or a phone, additional car that you haven't driven, or clothes or furniture or, or toilet paper, right? If you're like me, your garage has some things that you haven't used for years and you've been hoarding it and it keeps growing and we keep buying. Yet all these things, James says, testifies against you, testifies against me. They undermined us. They could have been used to bless. We should have known better been better because we are the light of the world carriers of God's good news his love his mercy his grace 
Our hoarding is very telling about the system and the values we live by. Our personal worldview, self-preservation, consumption, and our addiction to more. More, right? And this kind of hoarding, it leads us to mistreat people, James says. And we are asking, what? Why? Why? Why does that happen? Because money has a way of messing with our identity, right? That's why Jesus speaks so much about it. The more you possess, the harder it is to see yourself in others. I'm going to say that again. The more you possess, the harder it is to see yourself in others. Because you really like you. And I really like me. So we get around people who are like you and me. And we're like, oh, I'm just different from them. We're not different from them. We start separating ourselves and segregating ourselves. And then that's when oppression starts. We use and abuse people for our benefit and we justify it because it saves us money or it makes us more money bringing us comfort and security. But is it saving them? Is it bringing comfort and security to them? Those who serve you, those who make your clothes, those who, who God has put in your life on purpose. And God sees this and hears their cries against you. Verse 5 says, you have lived in, a, in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. That is pretty serious. But what James is saying is extremely important. There's a line between saving and foresight versus indulgence and hoarding. There's a difference between living a life of necessity and amenities versus moving over into an area of unnecessary luxury and indulgence, right? And we'll talk more and we'll talk about what we're going to do at the end, right? The issue for most is, where is that line? Where is that line of like, now I'm rich or now it's enough, right? When do I know or feel that I've crossed this line? Some of us today make more money than we've ever made before, right? Yet we don't feel rich. The target keeps moving and changing and evolving. Yet the Bible clear, doesn't clearly give us a number like that's now rich. No, uh, how much is too much, right? Or how many shoes is too many shoes? Or how many toys are too much? Or how big should my clothing budget be? Rather, James is asking the question, Look at everything in your life right now and ask yourself, is this really a necessity or is it a luxury? Do I really have to spend my money on this or could I use it for good, greater good? Somebody might be thinking, man, I'd, I'd hate to have to live a life like that. I don't know if you're thinking that. Yet, that's the very life that you're called to. That's right. You are supposed to live a life in that tension, right? Our faith is not just spiritual. It's not just church, but our apprenticeship to Jesus. And that apprenticeship leads our whole life. So we must ask in view of God, in view of eternity, in view of others. So for some of us, instead of asking, how much do I want, right? We need to rather ask, how much do I need? Have you ever asked that? When is enough enough? And I have to make this line. Ask God, what do you want me to do? Give, release, let go. Really ask God that in your prayer time. Ask God that even now. 
What do you want me to release, God? What do I have in my possession that I, I need to let go? How can I use the blessings in my life that you gave me to make a greater impact for you and for others, right? To be honest, this has become a real reality for Candace and I. Like, she started working and for 10 years, we had one income, and we learned how to live off that one income, but now we both work, so we have more than before, and, 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 we, and we could just say that means, right, we get more, we buy more, we vacation more, we upgrade more, and we can do that. Or we can plan to give more, bless more, help more, live more, right? Listen, this is not automatic. It doesn't, doesn't just happen just because you have more. It automatic is to consume more. So we must live in the tension and discipline our lives to align with Jesus first. Put him first. And it's not easy. Not for us. Not for me. Because yes, we need to save for retirement. Yes, we should fix all those things around the house we didn't get to. But how much do we need and how much can we give? I truly believe when God blesses you and me, and listen here, don't just automatically up your standard of living, but let's also up, or maybe first, up our standard of giving. Don't just automatically up your standard of living, up your standard of giving. Because the love of money, or the love of the outcome of money, that gives us access and power and autonomy and control, all these things that our culture celebrates as the good life can lead us away from God's life. That's right. Away from others, away from a divine mission. It just does. And James tells us this by saying, when you don't notice, when you don't deal with your greed or you don't deal with your wealth right, your soul will rot. So watch out, look at yourself, examine yourself, compare yourself to God's word, look at the needs in the world, look, look, look. The other day I was watching TV and, and this Febreze commercial came on and you might have seen it too. It's, it's a room full of socks, these nasty socks, yet the person in the room doesn't even notice the smell. And then the voiceover guy says in a low tone, you get used to rooms smelling like sweaty odors. Yep, you've gone nose blind. You think it smells fine, but others smell nasty old gym socks, right? And I began to wonder, Lord, have I gone rich blind, right? Because even though I grew up in poverty and I know what it means to be without, to miss meals, right? But it doesn't look like it now, obviously, right? The truth is I got used to living with more and then more. And then we moved into a new neighborhood where more was normal. And I'm not against having. I'm really not. Rather, are we good stewards? Because our life is vapor. Eternity is still on its way, right? 1 Timothy 6.10 says this. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. James, Paul, 
Jesus speaks of this. This is what Jesus says in Luke 16, 13. No one can serve two masters. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Matthew 19, 24. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. That should be scary. Then he continues, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus is not indifferent about our view of money. The Christian view of wealth has always been very radical. It has been. First, Christians, they honestly believed that they owned nothing. They were just managers, stewards of what they possessed. It all belonged to God and it comes from God. Second, They see life with the end in mind. Christians see life with the end in mind. They have a healthy view of eternity. That's called eschatology. Say eschatology. It's a fun word, right? Early Christians self-identified as resident aliens. They developed a lifestyle around this understanding, right? Saying, this is not my home, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm going through, right? And they developed this understanding, I'm, God is still working through me, but this is not it. This is not it. So, and they took seriously the words of Jesus when he says, do not store up treasures on earth where moth, right? Where it can be corroded and where it could rot, where it could be taken away. <laughs> Which was a reality during the Roman Empire when the Romans dominated culture. So the Christians, they were loose with the things that they had. And this worldview was expressed by providing hospitality to travelers and to supporting those who were in prison, Christians who were in prison. The early Jewish communities were literally marked by sharing and caring and this social care for one another. They took care of one another. Also, people were amazed and attracted at these communities consisting of various like social classes, the rich and the poor and the multi-races and people from different cultures and backgrounds they were bound by love to, to one another and to Jesus with this deep understanding of brotherhood and sisterhood so that's what the gospel looks like lived out it's that's the attraction of the Christian life when people are all in right so how do we guard against this kind of greed then John you need to ask these questions how, how do we as a church or as individuals make giving the way of life now not just another sermon or another well-intentioned moment that's a short-lived idea but a way of life i was uh, listening to andy stanley how to be rich and and reading through his book that is a good book to read through right but how do we develop into a generous person what's the plan What do I need to discipline myself in? What do I need to exercise in my life? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Number one, and please write this down. Make generosity a priority. Make generosity a priority. This won't happen unless you make it a priority. I mean that, right? The best way to make giving a priority is to make it first. Make it first. Make it the first check you write every time you get paid, right? Before the mortgage, before the groceries or clothes, or even before savings. Make generosity a priority. Whatever the amount is, do it first. 
the minute you deposit your paycheck, this, this only ensures that you'll guard it as a priority and it's a symbolic reminder to you where your hope lies. Number two, make generosity a percentage. Make generosity a percentage. Know what you're giving, the amount you're giving, instead of just feeling generous. I'm feeling this way, feeling that way. If we really want to guard against the side effects of wealth, you can't evaluate your giving in terms of dollars. Rather, think percentages, right? Percentages give you a much better comprehension whether you have control of your money or your money has control of you. So what percentage should you give? Maybe that's your question. I tell people start with 10%. A lot of biblical writers, uh, they, uh, they started with the tithe, which means 10th. For some people, that's extremely uncomfortable, and I get it, and I get it. And, 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 but think of it as an exercise until it becomes a part of your daily habits and part of your plan, and it will always be uncomfortable and hard until you exercise it. But once it's a discipline and a part of your lifestyle, you get good at it and you start enjoying it as you see it change your life and change the lives of others, and it makes you healthy. Exercising generosity is how we protect ourselves from the side effects of wealth. Remember, it's not a way to be good. It's, it's preventative. It's obedience. The most important thing is to start. Just to start. Even if it starts at 1%, then start there, right? It, it, start there if you have to, but I want you to start living generously as a priority. And number three, make generosity progressive. This means over time you raise the percentage. Some of us, instead of asking how much do you want, we should rather ask how much do I need, right? Our financial situation changes through our life and I want us to learn to change our giving percentage along with it. When you make this initial adjustment to give 10%, it soon becomes comfortable, right? And when financial comfort is generally a good thing, it can also make you more vulnerable to the side effects of wealth. If you've been giving the same percentage most of your life, maybe, it's time for you to raise that up, right? And these are three ways that we can protect our heart to, as we put Jesus first and we discipline ourselves with generosity. Listen, giving is a discipline. Say it with me. Giving is a discipline, right? I would say most people are not natural givers, right? They're not naturally generous. We're actually the other way. We're natural consumers, Maybe you feel out of practice, but the question persists that I ask our church maybe every time you hear me. Who are you becoming? And do you like the person you're becoming? Not just the person you are, but the person you're becoming. Are you advancing? Are you growing? Are you becoming more like Jesus? If the goal of your life is becoming the person who walks and talks and lives and gives and loves like Jesus, a person who's filled with His joy, His grace, His truth, and His kindness, then you have to practice the way of Jesus and to practice the way He actually lived. So listen, next time you receive a blessing, Rather than increase your level of living, why don't you increase your level of giving, right? Putting God first, people next, and then taking care of everything after that. Even this week, let's look through our homes. Let's look through our stuff. Let's look through our wealth. 
How can you give away goods you don't need? But John, I need everything. I know, I know. In view of the gospel, in view of God's call on your life, in view of God's blessing in your life, let's look again. Do you have two lawnmowers or 12 jackets or 90 pairs of shoes or whatever it is? I started looking around my house. I was like, I have, I have some stuff I need to give, right? Don't give your trash, but give from your goods, your valuables, things that can change people's lives. Right now, I want us to hear a need together. Watch this with me. Good morning. Uh, partners and friends, uh, this is Alayu Dubala, uh, a church planter in Africa, Ethiopia. Uh, I would like just to update you what is going on right now. Uh, um, uh, we, we are doing such an amazing work, even though the world is uh, under uh, a huge crisis. Um, the last few weeks, um, one of our churches was uh, burned down and uh, all the possessions were taken and stolen and um, uh, some of our brothers were beaten. Um, Hill City Church has intervened uh, to help us uh, uh, rebuild the church and uh, we have started to uh, bring materials to the site and um, we are rebuilding it for the glory of God. We are also in a huge crisis because of COVID-19 and uh, we have to intervene to help the pastors and churches that we have planted. We have distributed food for uh, over um, 1,000 people uh, in May and we have to continue to support the pastors and churches and uh, communities so that they can tackle uh, uh, the crisis right now. We are raising funding for um, the pastors and their families uh, because they are starving to death right now. Uh, would you please be part of what we are doing right now? Uh, we are responding for, uh, for it and God is providing and we want to do more. We also has been uh, supporting the widows to start their own business and the Hill City Church has provided uh, funding for uh, five widows uh, and uh, those five widows has started um, their business and uh, they are succeeding. I would like to express my gratitude for Pastor John and uh, Hill, Hill City um, uh, community and family. Uh, we appreciate uh, your prayers and your continued support. God bless you, and um, we, 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 we pray for you too. Thank you. As our church, we've decided to give our rent payment away. We are not paying rent due to the situation we're currently in. So we're going to send that out to our missionary. We as Hill City will give $4,000 to Global Call so that people will not starve to death, that people will have their needs met, which is their reality. They're starving to death. This is no small thing, right? Thank you for your giving. It's not wasted. Even this week, I, I, I want to share that you have given uh, groceries to a family that just lost their mother at the age, I believe, of 39 years old, and she has nine kids. Her name was Crystal, and she passed away last week. 
Crystal Swazo. Many of you guys know her, and you know her kids. And, 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 and the week before, we gave to the Adams County um, Corners office. We blessed them with a meal, and we loved on them. And, 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 and individually, we, we, we were praying over them, right? Let us allow God to refine our salvation from, from believing the right things to a lifestyle filled with the right practices and the right disciplines of Jesus where God does not only save our souls, He saves our minds, He saves our mouth, He saves our vision, He saves our desires, He saves our heart, He saves our wallet into a new life and a new way of living. Look to Jesus, God's most generous gift, who left His kingdom of heaven, who had everything and became nothing, gave up His glory that He had there, becoming a man so He could save man. Though He created everything and everything belonged to Him, He came to earth, He gave it up, and he, to give His eternal life, His forgiveness, His power, His call, His mission, His hope. We can never outgive God. Never. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. I pray that Hill City would be known for generosity, a people of generosity, not just church, but individually, in our families, in our church, and into our community, that we would be known for generosity and that we would not allow greed and wealth to lead the dance of our life of consumption and more and mistreating, Lord God. But what would lead our life is the gospel of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the salvation of Jesus, the grace of of Jesus, the generosity of Jesus. Lord God, who are we becoming, Lord God? I pray we put into practice disciplines so that we become more and more and more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.